Welcome back, Bells. Isn't it good to have them back? Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship together at Faith Community United Methodist Church. It's good to be with you this morning. I'd ask you to find the attendance pads that are in the pews. If you haven't already, fill those out, pass them along to others worshiping beside you so we have a record of your presence here with us this morning. It is Coins for Missions Sunday. The blue buckets have been coming around, and thank you to those who have uh, put your coins in there. If you didn't get a chance, there are some blue buckets out in the narthex as well. You can drop your coins in those on your way out. These coins go to support a number of local mission projects. So thank you for bringing your coins on the second Sunday of each month and helping us support these important missions. And speaking of missions, Wayne is uh, going to make a, an announcement about the uh, garage sale. Come on up, Wayne. We uh, have the Festival of Sharing coming up, another way that we reach out with God's love uh, around the world, the Festival of Sharing kits. Those are due in by this Tuesday. So if you've been collecting uh, supplies to put a kit together, make sure you get those kits back to the church by this Tuesday so that those can get distributed. We also have Shoes for the Shoeless coming up in just a couple of weeks. And if you would like to volunteer for Shoes for the Shoeless, the information about doing that is in the bulletin. And I, finally, I just want to uh, mention that next Sunday we have our uh, whole church family game night and invite you all to come to the church next uh, Sunday evening for our church family game night. We'll have food, we'll have games. Uh, you don't need to bring anything. Uh, just come and enjoy the fellowship, enjoy our church family. Uh, so you're invited to that. The announcement about that is in the bulletin as well. We uh, come together this morning to worship God, so I invite you to be in an attitude of worship as we begin with our call to worship. Please stand as you are able. Come away from dullness and complacency. Wake up. God is calling us to listen and learn. How long will we refuse the wisdom God offers? How long will we ignore God's counsel and reproof? Our waywardness separates us from God. Then, when we call on God, we hear no answer. We gather to renew our relationship with God. We seek enlightenment and the revival of our souls. Please join in our opening hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God.
may be seated. And please join together in our opening prayer. God of all wisdom, renew our sense of awe and wonder as we gather before you, the source of all knowledge. Make your word known to us and stretch out your hand to touch us. Draw us away from our own devices that we may truly listen to the witness of all creation, speaking of wonders we have ignored. Give us eyes to see beauty in all around us. Align us with truth and righteousness. Quiet our scoffing and awaken our trust. Show us the disciplines we need to stay in touch with you each day. Amen. And, and you can uh, join in our prayer hymn, Wonderful Words of Life. Lord, we come here into this place of worship, into your presence, to hear once again those wonderful words of life, that life which you spoke 
into creation, that life which you breathe into each one of us, that life that you renew day by day, that life which you redeem and sanctify. Lord, we give you thanks for the wonderful gift of life and for those words that proclaim that life to us. Lord, we remember on this weekend, as yesterday, we remembered that those attacks of 20 years ago on September 11th, and we were reminded once again of the evil that exists in this world and of the damage that it does all around. Lord, we don't want to be a part of that evil. We want to be a part of your people, of your solution, your answer to this hurting and broken world. Lord, we were reminded of the fragility of life, the fact that we are not promised another day. So, Lord, let us rejoice in the day that we have to live it to the fullest and to your glory according to your will. And Lord, even as we remember what it was like on September 11th, 20 years ago, let us remember also what it was like on September 12th, 20 years ago. That sense of unity of spirit that we all felt as a nation and indeed as a world, your people united in spirit, leaving behind all of those political divisions that we so often allow to come between us, recognizing ourselves as one people. Lord, may we feel that once again. Lord, we pray, even as over these past 20 years, those divisions have grown stronger and stronger. Lord, we know that is not your will. You want us to be one in you. And so we pray that you will once again, bring an end to our earthly tribalism and make us all see ourselves as your children, united by your love. Lord, we thank you for this church in all of the ways that we are able to serve you and reach out with your love through various missions for the coins that have been offered this morning to support local missions, for the garage sale that happened this weekend and all of the work and effort that went into that. For the kits that are being put together to be sent around the world to help others in need. For the shoes that are being collected to give to children here in Xenia. Lord, so many ways that we are able to share your love. We give you thanks for the privilege of doing that. And we pray for your blessing upon all of the people that receive from those various efforts, that as they receive materially, they will also receive spiritually to sense your love at work in their lives, to sense that your grace is indeed for them. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to share that love. And we pray that it will continue to fill us and inspire us in all of our ways this day and each day forward. 
as we offer ourselves and as we offer these prayers in union with your Christ, which you sent to be our Savior. And we offer you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite the ushers forward now to pass the plates as we offer ourselves to God through the giving of our tithes and offerings.
please join me in the prayer of dedication. We offer the treasures of this world as a way of recalling all of us to a right relationship with you, O God, the source of all wisdom and truth. Your design for life is more to be desired than the finest gold. To learn from you and to serve you is our highest joy. May our offerings and our daily lives communicate this message. Amen. Please be seated.
Good to have you back, Bells. <laughs>
wrinkly white shirts. After climbing the front stairs to the perfectly carved wooden doors, the person that was there to greet him offered him these warm words of welcome. Son, he said, we dress up for God here. Later in the book, he writes about an experience of going to be the guest preacher at a small church. He writes, the volunteer receptionist told me bluntly, young man, you'd better do a good job preaching because we have a visitor coming to church. Evidently, that was unusual. She explained how a lady had just called and asked for directions to the church. Our church has been declining for several years, the receptionist said sadly, and we need members to help pay the bills. Before the service started, he writes, I stood outside with the church elder greeting people, and that's when I saw the visitor. I knew this lady wasn't a member of the church because, well, she didn't look like anyone else there. All the members were dressed in nice suits and This young lady looked like she'd slept in what she was wearing. It wasn't that she didn't care for herself. It was just obvious that she'd had a tough life. As she slowly approached the church, her eyes and body language communicated she was nervous and intimidated. I admired her courage to visit a new church all by herself. What had triggered her to come? Had she been abused? Was she at the end of her rope and in desperate need of Christ and his people? The elder stepped in front of the young lady and blocked her path into the sanctuary. Miss, the man said in an intimidating tone, at our church, we wear our best for God. My jaw dropped in shock. No, you didn't just say that to her. Unfortunately, he had. This young woman's eyes filled with tears as she dashed back to her car to make her getaway. Those stories sort of form a bridge between last week's reading from James and this week's reading from James. Last week, we heard from James regarding discrimination within the church, showing favoritism to those who are better off, looking down upon those who are poor. This week's reading from James talks about the power of words, and especially the way that power is often used for harm rather than good, for cursing rather than blessing. We've all heard the claim taught to children, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. I'm sure we all realize by now that that's a lie. We know from experience it's a lie. Words can and do hurt us sometimes. We know from the Bible it's a lie. Our reading from James tells us what a tremendous force the tongue is. It's a small organ compared to the rest of the human body, yet it boasts of great exploits, writes James. James compares the tongue to a flame. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, he writes. We've seen it in the news lately. Wildfires destroying massive forests. It doesn't take much at all to get it going. Just a a tiny spark, and before you know it, the blaze is out of control. James says that our words are like that. It seems like such a, a small thing. A thoughtless word, carelessly spoken, nothing to be overly concerned about, nothing of much consequence, right? Wrong. The damage that can be brought about with our words is beyond what we could imagine. Think about that young lady. 
gathering up the, the courage to visit a church for the first time, only to be told she hadn't cleaned herself up enough to come in. Would her faith be able to endure such an insult as that? Would she decide that she must not be welcomed by God, that God's grace was not for her? Would she return to whatever desperate situation she had come from, whatever glimmer of hope she might have had dashed never to return? We can only begin to imagine the impact on her immortal soul caused by that harsh and judgmental word of that man of God. I'm thankful we don't say things like that to people in this church, at least not based on appearance or wealth. But we still need to be careful how we speak to one another. Because whether you realize it or not, or, and whether you like it or not, when you speak to someone in the church, your words are a representation of your faith, and your words are a representation of God. Do the things that we say to one another and the way that we say them reflect the grace of the God which we are here to praise? Are we careful to speak with grace even when we disagree. James starts off the chapter saying that not many should be teachers because they will be judged by a higher standard. In the context of, the, of this letter, James is talking about those charged with teaching within the church. He's not talking about school teachers, although I'm sure the same is true of school teachers as well. They're often held to a higher standard. More is expected of them than of others. But within the context of the church, those who are charged with teaching the faith are going to be watched even more closely than others to see if they are, in fact, living it out. Just this week, I was speaking with someone, not anyone here at this church, but someone who was talking about having worked in a church where she also attended worship. She said that the, the, the person that the pastor was in the office during the week didn't line up with the things she heard him preach on Sunday morning. She eventually had to leave that church because it just became too much for her to take. I'm not saying this to, to toot my own horn, but just as a matter of self-awareness, I have to always be conscious of whether the way that I speak with people in the office and on the phone and out in public lines up with the gospel that I preach on Sunday morning. I also have to confess this. As good as I think I am about that in the office and on the phone and out in public, I'm not always as good about that in my own home. I've always prided myself on being a very honest person. And there was a long time in my life that I took pride in being brutally honest. More recently, I've come to understand that brutal honesty is not really a virtue. God doesn't call us to brutal honesty. God commands us to speak the truth in love. I haven't always done that, and for that I repent. I'm sure that there are others here for whom that is true as well. That, that's why I'm sharing this, not to turn this into my own confessional, but to call you to repentance too. While James highlights those who are teachers, and while he's writing in the context of the church, this passage is addressed to all of us, and it applies 
in all times and within all settings. We who profess Christ will be judged by our words. Do we allow our faith to bridle our tongues? Or do we give our tongues free reign? Because if we are giving our tongues free reign, then we are not living out our faith. Our tongues are, as James puts it, a restless evil full of deadly poison. Our speech has to be tamed, restrained, brought under the control of the Spirit. Just as in chapter 2, a faith that does not show forth in good works is dead. So too in chapter 3, a faith that doesn't sound forth in the words and the way that we speak is likewise dead dead. It used to be when someone used a bunch of cuss words, the person offended by that language would question them, you kiss your mother with that mouth? Have you ever said that to someone, you kiss your mother with that mouth? When we Christians talk disparagingly and judgmentally, cursing other people, James questions us, you bless the Lord with that mouth? You bless the Lord with that mouth? With it, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse those who are made in the image of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. This ought not to be so. This ought not to be so. Here we see some more striking similarities between the things that that James teaches and the things that we are taught by his brother, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. James uses the analogy that would be familiar to anyone who had heard Jesus teach. In 3.12, James asks, can a fig tree yield olives or a grapevine figs? Likewise, Jesus had asked, are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? Jesus had been cautioning about false prophets, those who teach things that sound nice, but they're really just trying to gather a following for themselves rather than serving the Lord. Jesus said to look at the fruits of their lives, whether they are producing qualities and works that are honoring of God. Jesus said a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Thus you will know them by their fruits. James uses that very same analogy to caution not against false prophets, but against false Christians. Our faith will show forth in the fruit of our speech. Someone who is submitted to Christ will treat other people the way that Christ would treat them and will speak to other people the way Christ would speak to them. Thus, the character of our speech reveals the quality of our faith. Another clear connection between this chapter and the teachings of Jesus is Matthew 15. In Matthew 15, some of the scribes and Pharisees were complaining about Jesus' disciples eating without first ritually cleaning their hands. They claimed that doing so was bringing defilement upon themselves. Jesus responded to that by saying, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. 
Later, he explained this further to his disciples. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and that is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. It is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. For what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. You see, according to Jesus, and echoed in the teachings of James, the words that we speak and the way that we speak them flow from the heart. They reveal our faith, what we truly believe. If we speak hatefully of other people, then that shows that there is hatred in our hearts. If we speak angrily of someone else, there is murder in our hearts. If we're speaking in raunchy ways, that shows that there is adultery and fornication in our hearts. If we speak words of envy, there is theft in our hearts. These are the things that defile, and giving voice to them brings judgment upon us. According to both Jesus and James, when we speak in these ways, we are defiling ourselves. We are giving free reign to these demeaning characteristics. We are giving these degrading qualities life, making them the reality in which we revel when we ought to be bridling these things, saying no to these things, keeping them in check while we wait for and pray for and allow the Holy Spirit to change our hearts. Our tongues boast of great exploits, according to James. The power of the tongue, both for good and for evil, far exceeds its size. It is indeed a mighty force. But there is a force mightier than the tongue. There is a power that can bring all of our words and all of our deeds under His control. That power is the Holy Spirit. That power is God. God is a force mightier than all other forces combined. God is the one who gives power for holy living, and that includes the way we use our tongues. The solution to our problem is not just to try and be more careful in what we say although that would be a good start. But if what comes from the mouth proceeds from the heart, then the real solution is to be given a renewed heart. And this renewed heart comes only from complete submission to God. God can replace our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh, ones that are truly loving as Christ loves us. God can transform us by the renewal of our minds such that our thoughts are guided by the mind of Christ. The tongue is a mighty force. And the only way to tame it is to submit ourselves wholly to our holy God. This is our charge from God Almighty. We rely on his strength to make our lives and to make our words a worthy offering to him. Amen.
I invite you to stand as you're able now for our closing hymn, which is number 77 in the hymnals, How Great Thou Art.
Our God is mighty indeed. So let us go from this place now and live submitted to his power and authority. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.